This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. Every few months, I like to explore professions that are adjacent to programming. Today, that profession is captioning. Our guide for this industry is the fabulously gifted Norma Miller of White Coat Captioning. I was captivated by her work at last year's React Rally and wanted to share with you what I learned from her. She does primarily technical events, which gives her an interesting vantage point into tech conference culture. We talk about typing in excess of 300 words a minute with almost perfect accuracy over a full day of conference, the $6,000 keyboards that make it all a little bit easier, and the open source that powers it all. I think you'll love this chat as we learn how captioners are making our technical events more multicultural, accessible, and inclusive. As a quick reminder, I'm kicking off my first project of 2020. I'm teaching you five JavaScript features and practices that get overlooked by React developers. I've taught thousands of React developers how to build React apps, and the things that most developers are shocked by are not how I use React, but how I use JavaScript in React. If you're working primarily in React, you don't have to learn everything about JavaScript to improve your React code. You can level up with just a handful of critical features and practices. Visit jsandreact.com and subscribe for six emails that will change the way that you write React. Now, into the show. Norma, welcome to React Podcast. I am so thrilled to have you on the show today. How are you doing? Thank you, Michael. I'm doing great. It's it's uh, autumn in Vermont. The foliage is gorgeous. It's a lovely day, and I'm happy to see you. I'm to happy to see you. you, too. It's been a couple months, I yeah. think, right? Yeah. yeah. I'll, I, I will admit that I had to say, wait, what event was it that I met Michael at? <laughs> <laughs> it was React Rally yes. in uh, in Utah back in back in August. Yep. And I just had such a fun time uh, talking with you. And uh, I know that this this show is typically kind of focused on on web development and uh, you know React specifically, but I had such a fun time talking with you at React Rally and about the work that you're you're doing, um, and I, I had this moment where I was realizing like, man, she she is such a big part of our community, and the work that you're doing is so important for. Uh, for web development, for the development of our communities through conferences, um, etc. Um, so I just really wanted to get you on the show and uh, kind of maybe replay parts of those conversations for our audience. Uh, so tell me, what is it that you do? So, um, well, recently I've been describing myself a little bit as a tech con roadie. Um, <laughs> I'm really kind of the fly on the wall, but I am also providing a service that um, I think is very valuable to all involved and, and not just for the deaf and hard of hearing, but for all those people in the audience uh, who may not identify as realizing they have some hearing issues or attention deficits or um, audio processing uh, concerns and all um, a large part of the reason for being in tech conferences is uh, for non-native speakers of English. Um, a large percentage of the audience in any tech conference, as you probably well know, um, are non-native English speakers, including the uh, presenters, the speakers themselves, mm. who um, have accents 
And uh, so if you are Italian and you are listening to someone speak in Japanese accented English, um, having the English translation instantly on the screen helps all involved. So that's where we come in. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about uh, tell me a little bit about your business, um, white coat captioning. Uh, how, how long have you been? How how long have you been uh, captioning and uh, doing this for um, for conferences? Well, um, I opened the company White Coat Captioning about five and a half years ago, a little more than five and a half years ago. Um, and it was an outgrowth from my more local business, which was, uh, you know, sort of more generic counseling, uh, captioning for any sort of event. Um, I decided at one point that it was very important to specialize. If you wanted to be excellent at it, uh, you really needed to pick a topic and specialize in it. And the funny thing is that the topic that I picked to specialize in was medical, because at the time I was doing a lot of captioning in medical school. And that explains the name of my company, White Coat Captioning. It meant, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was meant to be for the White Coat Sciences, um, because there was seemed to be a real need and a real market for that. And um, I'd been through medical school seven times at that point. Uh, because I was captioning for medical and veterinary students who were deaf or hard of hearing. So then by accident, I think sort of by accident, I'm not really sure. I don't know the whole story as to why I was booked for a particular tech conference that was in Philadelphia. But I took the challenge and it was very scary. Because I was walking, <laughs> walking into a an entirely new field, um, did a tremendous amount of prep work. And I went with a team of two other people. Uh, there were three tracks to that conference. And it was just an amazing success. And really out of that conference grew my entire business. Um, the, we are still very much doing the medical par portion, but I would say that at this point, the tech has eclipsed, eclipsed the medical um, uh, it's just very popular in the tech world. The tech community is very, uh, seemingly very committed to being inclusive and inviting. And, uh, they don't just walk the walk. They, I mean, they don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. <laughs> um, and, um, so, and I think also there's, a, there's another element is they have the money <laughs> to, to yeah. pay for, pay for the service. And that's a big deal. Um, and also I just think, I, I really do think the tech community is just so open minded to, and they say, what can we do? And what is a thing that we can do that is very, uh, will bear a lot of, um, fruit and, um, you know, serve the largest audience. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, that's how it, it has all come about. And, um, in each audience as well, there seem to be a group of people organizing or know people who are organizing similar conferences. And they, mm. they say, wow, this is so great. We want this for our conference. And so that's how it's yeah. all come about. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. I, I would say that tech, it, it seems, really hasn't always been that way. It hasn't been a, an accessible, inclusive um, space. Um, but it really does feel like over the last two years, it's it's become a higher priority. Um, yeah. And yeah, have have you seen the same? I have seen the same, and I've seen uh, we still get pushback. I don't do any marketing anymore because if you try to market that aspect, 
uh, we do get pushback from people say is what, well, but it's too expensive for only one mm. person or two persons. And, and they just, until they've experienced it and experienced it well, because let's be honest, there is some mediocre, too bad <laughs> 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 captioning out there. And if you have bad <laughs> captioning, it's worse than no captioning at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so there's pushback in that respect. And then, you know, there are, there is pushback, uh, we don't come cheap. And so people who are the ones paying the bills and they don't instantly see the value sometimes. And so there is still, I mean, until we have, and, and we have a whole now group of advocates for our service and, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically our, our marketers sort of like you, you're one of them um, by, by inviting me to speak about it. Um you know, you saw the value. You it sparked an interest in you, and that happens at every every tech conference. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's funny because I I saw, I mean, I've experienced the value of having having uh, captioning at at conferences, um, but I felt like you know this particular conference at React Rally, I was emceeing, and so I was a little bit more behind the scenes than like just attending a conference. Yes, um, and and but I really felt like your uh, level of you know proficiency in this um, develop uh, just had like an extra it was extra right like uh, you, yeah um, it felt like you were not just you know someone who was like you know captioning but you were actually an active part of the process and there were a couple part a couple points where I really felt like you had uh, inserted yourself in a way that was just like clever or funny and just really made. A moment, and uh, and and I don't know. I was going to save this for later, but I'm kind of curious, like how you see your role as someone who who is doing an excellent job at captioning, not just not just a mediocre job, but like an excellent job. Um, how do you see your role, you know, when you show up at a conference? Well, um, first and foremost, I mean, I'm there to serve people, mm-hmm. and I I want to serve them well, and. Um, I, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, it's lovely hearing what you just said. Um, and I, I try, I, I, I'm modest, but I, I try not to exhibit any false modesty. I do, I do think that I and my team are, you know, excellent at this. And that's yeah. one reason I went after it is because I was like, what I, when I decided to specialize in something, I wanted to specialize in something that was challenging mm-hmm. for, for my own selfish reasons, one of which is that uh, I feel that it's a level of insurance against incoming um, artificial intelligence and that sort of thing. This is the the, the difficult, jargon-heavy things are the things that'll be hanging on yeah. the uh, you know at toward the bitter end. I I think I hope. Um, <laughs> so that was one reason. And and but because we I recognize that I and the people around me, my team, my sort of hand-selected team are really good at it. And um, so, you know, you, you, you go for something that is, that you know, you're good at, but also it's, it's even more, I guess, satisfying in the sense. And we learn from each other, the excellent ones. So those little, the things that you mentioned about um, little inserted, um, you know, uh, extras, um, I've learned from a lot of my deaf audience who are very high level users of the service and uh, one in particular who's, you know, one of the leading experts in the world on the topic of um, accessibility. And she says to me, 
I work with her very closely every summer, all summer, and she's a professor. And she she said to me early on, I want to get the flavor of the event. I don't want yeah. just the words. I want, if someone is stuttering, I want to know if they're stuttering. If someone is uh, has made a joke, I, I want to know that they've made a joke. If someone is breaking up because they're a little bit emotional, I want that piece. And if the captioner is dying because the person is really just <laughs> almost impossible to caption, I want to know that too. So um, I've learned a lot from her in that sense. And I've learned a lot as well from my other excellent colleagues who can, oh, some of my colleagues, I'm still, I worship at their feet, the feet of their excellence because they can like explain how music sounds in a way that I'm not quite able to do yet. You know, one of my colleagues recently was, was um, describing the sounds that an, that a um, vintage Nintendo game was making. And her, her, there were screenshots of it on Twitter where she said bleepy bloopy noises of, you know, and she <laughs> was, you know, she was speaking to a, a profoundly deaf audience, but then the, the entire audience embraced that and loved it and said, this is, you know, and this is just an, a level of excellence. That's um, what we strive for in my company. Yeah. So that's really interesting. You know, as you talk about flavor, it seems like, and, and even uh, accents earlier, it seems like what you're doing is, it, it, it seems easy to think that what you're doing is just taking what's said and typing it in, um, yes. but you're really interpreting that for a different way of experiencing the event exactly uh, and i don't think i've ever heard, you know thought about it in those terms but yeah. that's um that's incre an incredibly powerful thing and an incredibly uh challenging thing to have to keep in your mind how do you do that when people are talking at like hundreds of words a minute <laughs> and you know and if you make a mistake you have to have this buffer of fixing the mistake or i mean if you care enough to fix the mistake sometimes you sure. absolutely can't because it's too fast and it's better to just move on but sometimes you know i we care in my company we mm -hmm. care to make it as excellent as we absolutely can so we're fixing the mistake person's still talking we're trying to catch up we're, we're monitoring the output to make it make sure it's correct um the, the emotional and mental uh, and cognitive bandwidth is <laughs> pretty pretty tremendous and so i can alleviate some of that mental stress on myself by in day in and day out practice at this specific um, topic. Yeah, so yeah. even though I'm in your case, I was at, with React, you know, last week I was with some other language and tomorrow I'll be with, uh, you know, a different kind of tech conference that is more focused on uh, the very topic of perhaps inclusivity. So mm. across all, all the tech, tech with a capital T. Um, <laughs> so, um, that I think is where the well the the daily practice of just being a great captioner to begin with, but also on in the specific topic. Uh, so so because I am very practiced at that, then I can do those other little you know like the the sprinkles on the top of the cake. Yeah, um, yeah, and make it a better experience for both us. Because then it's more fun too. I mean, it's like a game. Yeah, it's a game, and it's <laughs> it's having a relationship with the audience, and it's it's just 
you know, it brings our level of being rewarded even higher. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, you mentioned, you know, having to really live in the space in order mm. to understand it and be able to be excellent at it. And totally. I remember there was, there was one moment in particular that just blew my mind. Uh, one of the, one of the speakers was speaking at a mile a minute. And I was, first <laughs> of all, I was just blown away that you were, you were keeping up. But then second of all, there was a moment where she listed off a, a ton of, of languages. It was like, but that are common words too. It was like, you know, yeah. closure, rust, you know, all these. Yeah. So you have to know oh. the difference between closure and closure. <laughs> or, or, yeah. yeah. And, and that, and it just blew me away because I, I was like, it, I think as a, like a, a technical person, I mean, we're always like testing the people around us in some capacity, right? But when yes. she did that, I immediately went to the captions. I was like, you know, did, like, did, did she, she get, get it? All? Like, oh, like, I was just I, curious, right? And yeah. he, and I saw him come in. And I was like, holy crap. Like, she got every single yeah. one of them. And I was like, I was just blown away. And so that really seems like it goes to your point of really needing to live in this space if you want to to do a great job at it. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, um, of course, that's that when I when you get to the end of that little sprint like that, and it really does feel like a mental sprint and physical as well. Yeah. Uh, and if you get to the end of that, and you've done well, I mean, that's like, no one needs to say that you've done a great job, because you kind of know <laughs> that you've done a great job. But it is really wonderful when people recognize it, right? Um, but truly, I mean, um, I don't know how I think about myself in the early years, doing this, the amount of prep I would have to do in order to do a great job. And some people are not willing to make that investment in time yeah. because it's sort of unpaid, unappreciated. Nobody gets, uh, nobody knew what you had to do to get there and do it well. But I mean, I guess it's a, you know, it's just a personal um, trait or something. Um, and that's how I choose the people who work for me as well, because they're willing and, and, um, interested in doing that kind of work but yeah exactly um the having to do that cold would be just oh i can't imagine it wouldn't really be possible i mean no matter how good you are as a captioner to have to hand spell out, out those things even if you knew what they were or even if they were listed on the the um, slide in front of you um, but yeah, it's the, it's the layers, it's the yeah. layers of the onion. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned, you mentioned just now, uh, if you had to hand spell out the words, uh, what does that mean? Like explain to me the, the tech involved in the way that you think about, um, words or maybe program in some of these, uh, these more specific words. Uh, what does it mean to like, you know, not be typing in the words, you know, closure and, and rust? So. Yeah, those are great examples. Um, when uh, So we are writing in a stenographic code. Uh, it's a different language. You learn the language when you first are learning, and it's based on phonetics. And we are writing on a corded keyboard, so it's much more like playing a piano than it is typing. Okay. So in general... Um, each word, or sometimes it's an entire phrase, uh, or or sometimes only a syllable, uh, written in one stroke. And you know you you have to you learn it, you gain proficiency, much like if you were learning guitar over the summer. You know you learn to place your fingers in okay. positions that they weren't 
accustomed to up till that point. So you have to practice, practice, practice for, <laughs> to get, get muscle memory and you have to make it so that there's no uh, hesitation. And over time, you build up your personal dictionary. It becomes more personalized as you get better because uh, your goal is to make things work for your individual brain. We, you'll, we'll learn a basic language like, you know, freshman level Latin, okay. <laughs> freshman, freshman level, some language. Right. And then if after when you become proficient, you make it very personalized so that you have no hesitation, like whatever would normally come to your brain it, without uh, any hesitation. This is the way I know I would write this on my steno machine. And then you tell the computer to translate it that way. When I hit this, this chord, uh, please translate it this way. Huh. The trick, the trickiest part comes in when you've got, say, I'm going to use rust for an example. Uh, there, there's rust, plain old rust, lowercase <laughs> rust, and there's rust with a capital R. And what if somebody's name is uh, rust and it's spelled R-U-E-S-T-E, um, okay, yep. you know, or I don't know, somebody comes up with a, a new product that's called rust, R-U-Z-T. You know, there's always something, and you lot, programmers like to you programmers. I mean, <laughs> the words, and sometimes I really, truly don't know the word yet because you've just invented it, and you're or you're just revealing yeah. that you're uh, a new product, and um, so I have to guess. I have to make it readable for my audience, and the weird thing is that when you have experience like this, I would say that 95 or greater percent of the time when I guess, I seemed to guess right later on it was like <laughs> nice. I, you know like i just know michael will say rust and it'll be r-u-u-s-t i just know it and and i you know so um but you have you don't have any time to really formulate those thoughts when you're in real time you yeah. know but you do the best you can so that's how it goes and then in the moment you just have to remember what is the short form that i made for that particular word and it has to come with no hesitation. It's a code. It's like beginning to think in a code. And it's like me. When I'm talking to you in English, I'm not thinking about it. I'm just yeah. talking, right? And that's so you be, you develop a level of proficiency on the steno machine. I think it's a lot like a jazz musician, I'm guessing. People hmm. who can just riff, you know, and that's what we do. The best of us can just riff. Some are really very technical writer, you know, the Technical is not a good word in this context of, of this podcast. I mean, generic technical. You know, they're just sure, writing. Sure. They're writing what they hear, uh, yeah. and they're writing the sounds, and they're not very good at finger spelling because that's a whole <laughs> thing. That's a whole nother thing. Um, we can actually finger spell letter by letter. It's just that it takes. Oh, really? Us, yeah, it takes long, and it's we don't like it. You know, if we we try to avoid that as much as possible. Interesting. So the so. So the machine is highly optimized for that phonetic style. Correct. And so when you have to drop down into the letter by letter, it is excruciating then. It is excruciating. <laughs> I mean, and um, when I first started captioning, I just did not have that skill very well at all. And yeah. I had to really, really practice it. How many keys are on a, uh, a steno machine? Or... Yeah, steno machine. <laughs> I think it's 20. I think it's 22. I have mine here, but it's it's in its case. I think it's 22 keys plus a bar on the top that when stroked together with keys creates num uh, numerals, actual numerals. 
So we call it the number bar. Yeah. Interesting. Now, I, you can block me if this is an inappropriate question or whatever, but how much does a Steno machine cost for the people in our audience who are like hyper into all things keyboard? So, yeah. So um, my keyboard is, you know, I've got the best of the best. And I, actually, my brand new one just arrived yesterday. I'll be using it for, yes. in, a, in a gig today. <laughs> um, they run about $5,600. Okay. Um, and the, the older ones actually hold their value very well. I mean, it's a very small market, you know, so, uh, the R and D costs a lot of money and these machines are highly optimized for ergonomics now. And, you know, and they're, they're very reliable and wonderful, but there are some really low cost options. Now, um, my colleague has a project called the open steno project. Um, and it has a free captioning software. And she has, they've developed a little um, 3D printed uh, keyboard, corded keyboard. To me, it looks like a tinker toy, <laughs> but I, I don't want to offend my, I don't want to offend my colleague, but uh, it's, she uses it in her professional work. Now it costs $95. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So it's a really, really awesome entry level thing. And she uses it. She's one of the best of the best and she uses it in her professional work. So it's terrific. Uh, I personally, I've been just doing it too long and I have, I need my Maserati, you know, um, oh, but you deserve it. Yeah. You and deserve, I deserve you know, it. You get yeah. to a point and it's like, you, you earned it. Like yeah, I, totally. I want to work on the best thing out there. I, totally. I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Treat yourself. Yeah. Um, so, awesome. so there are definitely some entry level tools that, um, and there are some, there's a big cohort of people now who are, this is open source software that she's developed. Um, and, uh, there's a whole cohort of programmers who are actually using it to program. Really? Yeah. So you can say, you know, you can program on your Steno keyboard, a, a, a stroke, a chord that says, you know, open Docker container, blah, or whatever, <laughs> you know, that whatever you want it to say in whatever language you're writing, um, you can do that you can make it do, um, punctuation and open bracket, close bracket open curly brace, whatever it is that you use in your um, everyday work. That's wild. I was going to ask if, that's, if, if this is something that programmers have, have used, but I kind of thought that it was just too wild to, to, to map those things together. One of my um, team uh, just got a real job, a job. He's a developer now. Um, he was, wow. a, he's one of the best of the best stenographers and he's, developing using his and he just got the maserati the, the <laughs> same one i just got his I, i'm pretty sure his new employer bought it i'm not sure uh but uh yeah that's what he's doing um and uh you know it was really really an interesting anecdote from him and i don't want to tell his story but uh when he was interviewing to try to become get developers jobs he was like well it's really hard to program on a qwerty keyboard because i'm used to this other keyboard and the, <laughs> the follow-up question by the interviewer was well do you need an accommodation like they they heard it as he needs an accommodation with his keyboard and like <laughs> it was sort of like a slightly they heard it as a slightly negative thing i think interesting uh, yeah uh, but no, but, you know, he found the right people who said, well, that's really cool. Um, and so anyway, that's his story, not mine. So we might want to cut all this out, but it is fascinating. No, no, it might be fascinating for for your audience as well. 
Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. love to hear that story. Yeah. So I was I was actually just a couple weeks ago, I had spent um, a day in jury duty selection. Oh, and yeah. I got an opportunity <laughs> to see another, uh, I, I guess, use of a steno keyboard. And something that caught my eye this time that I didn't have the opportunity to see is that it seemed to me in this scenario, so um, there would be these sidebars, right? And the yes. uh, the judge would uh, get up and the two the two lawyers would, would go in the back room and the uh, court reporter would uh, unplug them. her keyboard and go, yep. go with them. And I had the vantage point at, at one moment where she came back and she just plugged the thing in and then brrr, like yes. tons, of, tons of letters kind of came up on the screen. Yep. And so it seems to me like these these uh, stano keyboards or, or stano machines are not just keyboards, but they actually are a computer inside. They are. And um, so that's the difference between what I was describing as my Maserati and the, you know, mm. the, the stripped down just inputting keyboard. Um, these machines and really our like our, our um, regulating body and everything, it all it all is born out of the court reporting industry. Mm -hmm. And I, that was my former career before I became, I became retrained to become a captioner. But uh, so I have the, the um, perspective of both careers, but yeah. um, yes. So uh, the, as a court reporter, one of the most important things is to have many forms of backup at all times. So there's uh, in the machine, there are, there are three forms of uh, raw steno backup. There is the real-time translation that's ha happening on that that court reporter's um, laptop, and also on an SD uh, uh, SD card in her um, steno machine. Sounds like she has a okay. machine very similar to mine, and um, yeah. So yeah, there. That's another reason why they're so expensive. They're very delicate machines. Um, I, my biggest fear is uh, I travel a lot. Um, and mm -hmm. so I'm like, I'm so afraid the TSA agents are going to wipe it with something wet or drop it <laughs> or, or it's going to get plunked on the airplane. Cause then it's, you know, so I carry two of everything with me at all times for wow. that reason. Yeah. So I have twins of everything, um, which is not the case necessarily for a person in court who goes to the same job every day, you know? Yeah. I was noticing your, your setup is incredibly technical. You have, you have the the steno machine you have a, a laptop uh, i think i even saw you have your own mixer and headphones to get like a direct out from the we <laughs> the do in my board. company that's yeah it's <laughs> it's one of those things it's one of those things the av companies really appreciate that cuz yeah uh you know in my company that's the other thing is that you know we're so well equipped and well prepared so um but yeah uh we often we get a little slightly annoyed sometimes with AV companies. AV companies don't really understand us yet. Sure. Um, so they need a lot of handholding from us. And they yeah. also, in their brains, over-engineer the whole thing. Always. They don't realize. They, they think it's going to be a giant thing. And I just <laughs> go, you know, like, it's just HDMI out. It's like... Not that big a deal, and I'm not an AV person, so yeah. But but it helps us. Uh, basically, the reason we I started the idea of um, bringing our own mixer is self preservation. Because so many times yeah. we'd get to a venue and they'd go, "Oh, oh, you need direct audio," because that helps us to isolate the voices in the mic. Yeah, and 
and and um, get rid of the extraneous noise, all of which is difficult for us. So it's so much easier to just say to an AV guy, I uh, just need an XLR feed. And they know that language. Yeah. You just plunk it in <laughs> yeah. and they go, okay, cool. Go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can control my own stuff from here. I got, I got me. Yeah. So you mentioned um, bringing two of everything, which is impressive in your case because you have a lot of things to have two of. Yeah. Um, what are some other fears that you have uh, as you're you're doing this? Um, kind of in the in the entire process, what are the things that kind of most consume your mind with worry? Well, one is getting ill on the job. Oh yeah. Um, what if I've I should, I'm looking for a piece of wood in here to knock on because it's never happened to me. I'm like, what if I'm the only one? Cause I, we, we, in my company, that's another thing that sort of differentiates us from other captioning companies, one person per track of a conference. So, hmm. um, one captioner, and it is really hard sometimes to get through that final push at the end of the day, but, uh, without, if we don't have frequent breaks throughout the day, but what if, I ate some food at lunch and I got sick from it or that sort of thing. We've all in my, the very first time I had, I worked together with one of my best colleagues. She was so ill. She had such a really bad cold and she's just such a trooper. She just like, she got through that day and the whole day I'm going and she was trying to impress me because it was our first job side by side, you know? She was just such a trooper. And I mean, we all are sort of like that. But what if you truly like have to run to the bathroom or that sort of yeah. thing? I actually did have a an event, a really, really big event, first event with a very important client where I just had to go to the restroom. I mean, I just had to. So I just unplugged and I started running. And, and the way I, where I was located was there was no graceful way out. I had to run through the crowd and <laughs> through the backstage to the green room. And the, the, the executive producer it was a really big event. She comes running out like, Norma, what's the matter? And I'm like, and I really quickly said to her, I'm really sorry. I just have to go to the bathroom. She goes, okay, okay. And she covered for me kind of, you know, the, no one seemed to mind or notice, but it's like in those moments, you have a big high profile client and it's your first job with them and you go they may never hire me again yeah yeah or what if your equipment breaks down uh we did have another another example of that when uh at a big big tech company and uh all of a sudden my colleagues um i was in a different location but i was watching the overflow feed and um but I couldn't get to there to to relieve her very quickly. Um, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, something happened. I didn't know what. And then she texted me and said, my computer just spontaneously rebooted. Never had that happen before. So she's like, I'm getting out my backup. And then she goes, oh, my computer's rebooting. It's all good. So she, we were offline. She was offline for maybe three minutes. For us, that seemed like an absolute devastating eternity and it was a yeah i'm getting all upset i think my blood pressure is rising just telling you about it just thinking about it and the next day i went we switched places where she went in the overflow room and i went in the main room and the the people there told me this is the most professional handling of this of this we've ever seen we need to thank wow i'll say the, her name we need to thank maggie because we've actually had captioners who've shut down and left Wow! in the middle of an event before and probably because they didn't have backup or they didn't know how to fix 
the technical problem or how to even reboot their, I don't know, who knows what, like, I just, it boggles my mind that you'd go to that high profile, a client and not be fully prepared for every eventuality. But they, we were dying inside. I'm going, Oh my God, you know, (laughs) longest three minutes ever. Oh, it was so awful. But they were just so they, you know, they're tech people. They realize things like this do happen, but they were so appreciative of the way we handled it. And I was like, wow, you know, pat on my back, huge hug for Maggie. Um, Yeah. yeah. And so, and each each time something like that happens, you learn for the future too, of Mm -hmm. course. Um, Or you are a different company and you don't learn and you just pack up and leave. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. Um, It is really interesting how many overlapping skills you have to have to to do this well right you know there's the 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 interpreter part of it the uh you know just the the skills of being able to use the the steno machine but then all of these technical things uh that that you that are just kind of looming right at any point any piece of this big technical machine could break and just you know bring the whole thing to a halt and you have to have those debugging skills that's the thing as well and there's a part of us that i go wait that's not my job but uh, you know, if you can make a successful event happen mm-hmm. uh, by knowing a few extra things or by having experienced them before. I mean, so many things like when I got my new steno machine yesterday, right? Just having done it so many times in the past, I in the in the past, I'd have to pick up the phone for tech support and they'd have to say, um, did you upload? upload the drivers. <laughs> I go, oh, damn, no. Uh, did you check the device manager for the right port? And now I know all that stuff. But, you know, it takes a lot of doing and yeah. and and taking it to heart and not just being a uh, damsel in distress and saying, oh, you do it, you know, because you can't sometimes. And that's, that's kind of, um, I guess, unexpected from a woman my age, quote unquote. But um, yeah, you just do what you have to do. Oh, you're just slaying it, though. Slaying it. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so what are some of the the prized moments for you? You know, you're doing this. It takes a huge amount of emen- uh, emotional and mental effort. Uh, what are a handful of moments where it all came together and you felt like you were making a huge difference in people's lives? Well, I before we started the podcast today, I told you a, a little bit of a snippet of one that just happened a couple of weeks ago at a college. I was called in at, sort of at the last minute because the interpreters, they had sign language interpreters at the request of this uh, consumer, um, and they canceled at the last minute, and they were frantic, and they couldn't find anybody, and they contacted me, so... I went and it was a great success. It was a really lovely event. It was a very different event. It was not a tech event. It was an event that was very similar to the moth storytelling um, okay. events. And um, it turned out to be such a huge success because it turned out that the audience members, first of all, the person who had requested the ASL didn't know captioning could be good. <laughs> so that was good. That was great. And she was like, she was very satisfied. Um, and she was important because she was the mom of one of the students who was a storyteller. Oh, wow. And she was deaf. So, but there were several members in the audience one who had very limited English skills, but could read English really well, but would never would, you know, most of the hour of storytelling would have been completely over their head. 
And another was a mom of a student. This is in a college setting. And uh, the other was a mom of a student who herself wears um, cochlear implants, which means she's deaf, but she doesn't know sign language. So sign language would have been no use to her. And she also didn't know that this was a service she could request. Wow. She was crying at the end and her daughter was crying. Her daughter was a first year student. It was parents weekend. It was like, and they were all in this group of students and this mom were standing there going, oh my gosh. And I was getting the hug. You know, it was like a hug fest. (laughs) It was so great. That was so, so rewarding. And another story that sort of came full circle last week, which uh, was just so great, I think. It's um, another one of those moments where in the moment I was going, this may be the last time this client ever hires me. And it actually (laughs) turned out to be the opposite. Um, It was my very first tech conference. And at the end, they were so thrilled with the service. They came to me and they said, we'd like to have a competition between your a captioner, one of your team, and this guy that used to be on the debate team at Harvard. And turns out in the end, they sort of were trying to punk me because they gave me, they said, we'll give you the speech ahead of time and and you can prepare. Well, of course, I didn't really have time to prepare anyway, but I was able to, <laughs> you know, the way we sort of can prepare is just skim the thing and look for words that we know might not be in our dictionary. So I skimmed it. And um, then he started doing his talk and it was a completely different talk. So they were (laughs) trying to punk me. um, And he was going at about 600 words per minute. And I kept up with him for literally only 20 seconds. And then in that moment, I don't know, like the devil was on my shoulder and took took over and said, and I wrote a parenthetical that said, I don't know. He's just saying a whole lot of really fast shit and <laughs> brought the house down. And the house was, the house happened to be an entire room of, of digital journalists. So from all the big journalism houses and all the big networks, and then they all started following me on Twitter. Basically, I, I credit that moment and those people for my company as it is today. <laughs> so that same guy was a speaker at the conference I was at last week, and he did the same thing. But this time, and I kept we, all during the conference when we saw each other, we were fist bumping. And I was like, don't you dare. And he, <laughs> he was the next to the last speaker, and he did it. He um, started out slow and really measured and nice. And then he started going faster and faster because he has that skill because he was, he's a former debater, right? Sure. And then he gratuitously threw in really difficult words and difficult lists of names. And I kept up with him for a good 20 minutes this time. Wow. And then I, then I did the same. He wanted, he was goading me into, (laughs) and it was lovely. It was a lovely, the audience was in on the joke. They were like, these two people are trolling each other. And so at one point I just said, I, I did a parenthetical that said, he's so full of it um, <laughs> and I'm giving up. He's, he's broken the captioner. And it was, it was a lovely sort of like a, I hope it wasn't a full circle moment because I hope I still have a good amount of my career left, but uh, it was just this lovely um, home like moment where, you know, the whole audience was together on this. Yeah, It was great. He was actually really was giving a, an important talk they were learning things. They were laughing. We were all having a good time together. It was just great. Um, so I hope for more of that. Yeah, I, I, I love the way you approach this and the way that you think of those moments as uh, 
I don't know. This is a stupid corporate word, but like as as <laughs> synergistic, right? Yeah, no, like really. there's 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 a virtuous uh cycle to these things where yeah. um everyone has a part in this thing that's happening and it's it's bigger than everyone and then if everyone shows up um that it can be uh meaningful and unique and provide that flavor that you were talking about earlier yes that you wouldn't have at all if you didn't have um have these captioning yeah and it is a very good example of another sort of um in the um disability studies world it's a corporate word um the curb cut effect and we you and I talked about this very briefly before but um the curb cut effect is a term of art uh, in the disability studies world, and um, it comes out of um, activism in uh, Berkeley, California, where there's a large um, disability con- uh, community. And um, it boils down to the fact that if you make the curbs um, accessible to wheelchairs, you're making them accessible to not just wheelchairs, but to people on skateboards and to um parents pushing strollers and to delivery people and to people like me who pull their machines on in their little <laughs> suitcase and um, just on and on and on. If you, if you shovel, if you shovel the ramp before you shovel the stairs, you're letting everybody up. Everybody can take the ramp, mm-hmm. but if you, um, so, so that is same sort of thing uh, with, with captioning. If it becomes, useful and enjoyable for everyone it's useful and enjoyable still for the very most uh the most basic users which are the deaf and hard of hearing users that's awesome well i very much value and appreciate your your excellence i'm so delighted that we got to to meet and i hope hope to see you around because i see you as such an important part of our uh, our technical community uh where can people I guess, like, get in touch with you, learn more about what you're doing, and hire you for their technical events. Well, um, I am, first, I'd love it if people would follow me on Twitter. I'm at White Coat Captioning, spelled a little strangely. It's White Coat, C-A-P-X-G. Uh, so C-A-P-X-G. So I'm sure you have a key cord for that. on your, Yes, uh... <laughs> I certainly do. Yeah. Oh, and that's really a funny thing is oftentimes when when attention is brought to us, sometimes we forget how to spell our own name or whatever. It's like, <laughs> so it took me a long time to get white coat captioning up there, even in uh, text, but I'm better at that now. Um, and uh, yeah, I have a website, whitecoatcaptioning.com. I have a, there's a UK branch of my company, um, similar website with the dot co dot uk um ending and of course uh email me norma at whitecoatcaptioning.com and would love to um come to your tech conference awesome awesome well thank you norma i really appreciate your 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 time today and i hope that we can uh get get you uh just making even more technical events uh accessible inclusive and fun thank you so much I really enjoyed talking with you. I really enjoyed meeting you. And I loved that conference. Um, <laughs> I especially loved the after party. <laughs> it was yeah. so very Utah and I loved it. <laughs> they yeah. know how to do it. They know they how to totally, do it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much, Norma. Thank you. To find links for everything mentioned today, visit reactpodcast.com slash 78. And while you're there, check out jsandreact.com. Sign up and learn five JavaScript features and practices that get overlooked by most React developers. 
If you like this show, there's a fast, free way to demonstrate your support. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's the best way for you to let me know what you think we're doing right and what we can improve. Two to three minutes of your time helps us make the best show we possibly can. As always, links and show notes for all episodes are available at reactpodcast.com. This episode was edited by Mikhail Delport. It was produced by Mikhail Delport and Sarah Jackson at Spec, a network to help you level up in design and development. Check out spec.fm for other shows that are sure to fast track your career. I'm your friend, Chantastic. Thanks for listening. We'll be in your ears again next week. Thank you.